home. It's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. We are Chris and Natalie Carpenter, owners of Story Real Estate, and our team of top agents helps people find homes in Moscow, Idaho, and around the country. Have you thought about a move? Contact us to get connected with a top agent who shares your values and puts your family first. Or reach out to us about our Moscow Relocation Guide. Wherever you're looking to go, we can help you find home. Call us at Story Real Estate or visit us at storyrealestate.com and start building your legacy. Now, I don't believe in future telling profits anymore, but Doug Wilson might be one. I'll explain that in just a minute here. Hey, welcome to Cross Politic. I'm the Chocolate Knox. Pastor Toby and Gabe are on vacation still. I'm going to be with them shortly. So um, I hope you know that when you share the show and when you like the show, that's one of the most valuable things you can do. I've had lots of people reach out to me and say, hey, Knox, I love what you guys do across politics. Completely support you guys. One day I'm going to get my rich uncle who has one of those mines over there in Africa with those diamonds in there. They're going to send me my cut. And when that rich uncle sends me my cut because I sent him some money to keep digging in those mines, I'm going to help cross politics. And I'm going to tell you <clears> – <throat> You got played first. And the second thing is, you know, you don't have to wait till your rich uncle sends you some money. You know, one of the most valuable things that you can do is get on your social media account, find our Facebook page, subscribe to it, like our show, whichever one is streaming in front of you at the moment. Put a comment down there. Go to YouTube. Do the same thing. Go. We haven't done this in a while. Go to iTunes. Over at iTunes, if you subscribe, that helps us out. iTunes is still one of the freest places that we can grow without the algorithm actually destroying what we do. So if you're listening from iTunes and you download the podcast from iTunes, listen, go over to our page on iTunes, Cross Politic, and subscribe. Like it. Leave a rating or a comment. Those things, uh, the reason why people ask you to do those is because that's a form of currency. It helps the algorithm put you in a place where people who are like you say, oh, you know who else would like this? This person. And so it gets us out of the funk, especially on YouTube. If you can like or put a comment inside of YouTube, I don't care what you say. Knox, we can see that you're wearing the same sweatshirt since you was wearing was Monday. I don't care. I'm happy. We win when you comment. We win when you like and we win when you share. So if you're on social media, go like, go comment, go share. It's so simple to do. You don't have to have a Fight, Laugh, Feast Club membership. But I would love for you to have one of those Fight, Laugh, Feast Club memberships because you get $100 off. When you decide to come to the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference uh, this October 11th through the 14th, the politics of six-day creation, would love to have you there and get that 100%, $100, sorry, not 100%, $100 discount. Tell Gabe, I said 100 you choked me. $100 off of your um, tickets when you sign up and become a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member. So why is Doug Wilson a prophet? Well, you're going to find out today. When he wrote a book called Ride, Sally, Ride, I was like, you know, I don't do novels. I like my theological books. I like my dogmas. I like to go in systematic theology. I like to read all that stuff. Ooh, I wonder what they're going to say on Revelation. Interesting. I, that's where I've spent most of my time reading it. I don't read a whole lot of novels and stories. Not really my thing. I don't really care. I like movies. I watch movies. So Doug decides to write a book called Ride, Sally, Ride. And 
I'll let him talk about the book and why he wrote it in just a second. But when he came out with this book, I wasn't going to read it. But everybody threw such a hissy fit. Should I say that's not that's not true. Just to show you the power of social media, certain folks threw hissy fits because Doug wrote characters who resembled the characters in real life that we know. (laughs) So he was being honest about reality and he wrote these characters into the book and people lost their minds. And it really wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't bad stuff at all. And so I, because people, certain folks who on social media use their platforms to make such a fuss about it. I said, I gotta, I gotta check it out. I gotta read the book. I read the book. And no sooner than I finished reading the book that same week, I started seeing the very thing that Doug was talking about in his book that he thought probably would have taken 20 years to manifest. I start seeing men trying to marry their sex dolls. Stories started popping up everywhere. And I was like, well, did I just not see it before? I don't think that was it. I just think that the time it happened where it was like Doug wrote a book, it came out and boom, here we go. Or the algorithm really worked because I bought the book on Amazon. Um, anyway, nevertheless, for, for him to write this book, and I think I asked him in the show, like, when did you expect this to start happening? He's like, at least thought 20 years. This stuff is all over the place, and it's very much connected to the conversation that we have now, especially with AI. How are we going to treat it? What is it actually? Um, what kind of laws are we going to have governing? And if you don't have a solid biblical theology not just a, there are certain things that um, I think we can have historically where we can look back and say, oh, this is how we dealt with AI. Some of this stuff is a whole new ball game. And you're going to have to have a Deuteronomic type of biblical law to deal with these things and express them clearly from scripture. What are the parameters in which we're supposed to be having the conversation. What is this thing? What are the metaphysical realities of it? And what is it for? Without any further ado, ride Sally Ride with Prophet Doug Wilson. And oh. as you know, Pastor Wilson is going to be with us in Nashville, Tennessee, October 1st through oh, the yeah. 3rd. He's going to be true. You're going to be talking about uh, education is warfare and also principles of warfare. Did you know that? Okay, I didn't. Okay. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> but, um, Actually, I had the same thing happen when he was telling me what I was talking about I, last week. So Toby's oh, talking yeah. about uh, confession of sin and courage. And right. uh, so uh, Pastor Wilson's going to be there. But we also, as you maybe already know, uh, Jeff Durbin from Apologia is going to be there. Oh, yeah. I, I told him our offline title. For his talk, uh-huh. he thought that it was more appropriate. More, but was, that's even more. That's like PG fifteen. It is. It is. But uh, <laughs> oh Jeff Durbin is going to be there speaking on Friday. We're excited yeah. to have the whole Apology how, crew out there. How Van Til destroys BLM, LGBT, and ends abortion mm. all in one talk. Yeah. We, he's he's going to lay out the game plan all it, in one talk. Vantillian ninja skills. Yeah. taking down the alphabet soup. And our big new announcement. Really excited. We're going to have David Bonson also coming. <laughs> at our conference on Christians and politics. I haven't given him his title yet. Um, I want to talk to you, you guys about did. that. But yeah, <laughs> but I, gave him, I gave him what he's speaking on without his title. So Christians and politics, we're excited I am, to have. I am so excited. He's coming uh, on Friday, and we're actually going to do a – actually, um, here's another thing I need to tell Doug right now. <laughs> I, I apologize for this. Uh, we're gonna do I will not react. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be surprised. Uh, we're going to be doing an after show at 9 o'clock with Doug and David Bonson, uh, and maybe, maybe a secret guest. I can't talk about right now. 
um, and everything. All You're talking pop, about everything else. I'll pop, I'll, I'll pop that on you when I get it. <laughs> so excited to have David Bonson out, and uh, there we go. Now we're on to oh Ride Sally Ride. What are we here for? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so... Pastor, first of all, y'all know Pastor Doug Wilson. He's Hi. I think of all of our I think you've been on the show the most, actually, of all of our guests. At, at okay. this point. At this point. David yep. Bonson and Darren Doan are, are tied for second. Yep. All right. Is what we decided. But um Pastor Doug Wilson is pastor of Christ Church. Uh, he um, founded Logos School, New St. Andrews, Andrews College. Mm-hmm. How you've been pastor there for at, at Christ Church for forty forty one it started in 77, so yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, 43 years? 43 years. So I'm 41. Okay. And actually, two, two years longer than I've been born. Yeah, I, I just heard this that the, the term classical education is something that you coined. Classic, well, no, classical, basically, probably classical and Christ centered education. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the, the resurgence of that in North America reco- start, started here. Recovering the yeah. lost tools of learning. Was yeah. that first book that, that kind of make, made the big splash. Um, Which it, obviously necessitates a book on Ride, Sally, Ride. Right. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Right. So, um, and and you wrote a book called Ride, Sally, Ride, or Sex Rules. Um, right. A novel. What's the subtitle? Uh, uh, there, sex there. Rules. Huh. It's... Um, is but, this like rules for reformers, but with sex? No, okay. I explained. I, I explained that early on. Okay, just, what do I so, mean? So what? What in the world? What in the world were you trying to do? I was trying to wake people up. Okay, all right. I'm, I want to confront them with just how crazy all the crazy is. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, it's the classic thing. Christians been talking for decades about how how to boil a frog. You know, you, mm-hmm. you put it in the fr- the pot and gradually increase the the heat, and the frog never jumps out. But if you drop it in a pot of scalding water, it'll hop out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? So it'll it'll protect itself if it's sudden, and d- will not protect itself if it's incremental. Okay. Well, uh, Christians have been the the frog in the pot for yeah. decades, and it's it's uncomfortable enough for us to grumble about it, mm-hmm. but not to actually kick or to do anything ab- about it, mm-hmm. and. One of the things I want to do is present in this novel the sorts of things that confront us all the time, but which we've gotten used to. We've gotten used to the way it confronts us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to present it in such a way that it just messed everybody's hair up. But it's the same. It's, you know, so I set this a few decades in the future, but one of the big reactions people have been having is, what do you mean? 20 years in the future. This is like already here. This is two months in the future. Right. So just in case any of our audience doesn't know the hook, give us the setup. Okay. So the setup, and this is all, this is what happens by the end of the first chapter. Okay. So, um, so it's, it's simply the setup and it's in color. The United States is hanging by a thread. Uh, the divide between red States and blue States is, um, thick, really accentuated. The United States about is about ready to blow apart. And uh, and basically, the unity of the country is a facade, a, a lie that everybody just knows is not the case anymore. Colorado, which is a deep blue state at, in this novel, has an evangelical family in it. Young college student, the Asahel or Ace, uh, is the one of the protagonists of the story. And a man moves in across the street, and this man introduces a sex doll that he has to this evangelical family as his wife. 
Okay. So this is <laughs> this is my wife, Sally Sasani. The father of this college student, uh, Benson, is an uber evangelical outreach guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And but he's someone who's sort of accommodated himself to every new outrage. And he wants to have them over so they they can have them have them over share the gospel with them so they can share the gospel with them because they need Jesus. His mm. son is Israel. What do you mean they need Jesus? He needs Jesus. They don't need Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, what are yeah. you ta- What are you talking about? So right. that's the the setup. And then the young man Ace works at a recycling plant, and through a series of circumstances, winds up righteously in a Phineas moment. This is what the this is a fictional Phineas moment uh-huh. where uh, he winds up, Asahel ta- winds up taking the sex doll to the recycling plant where he works mm-hmm. and compacts her. Right. C- c- compacts her. And that's that's the setup. because there's Kills a, the guy's wife. Yeah. K- well, kill. Use, quote, <laughs> use scare quotes around wife. kill. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. uh, so, Cold-blooded. Uh, <laughs> cold, that's inside with, joke. With, with no blood. With no blood. Right. Right. Yeah, no yeah. blood. So uh, what happens is there's a woke prosecutor in Denver, who uh, charges Ace with first-degree murder because he the the sex doll was identified uh, as this guy's wife. wife because he identifies her as a wife, therefore that trumps reality right. that makes her a wife. And right. since you killed someone who was identified as a wife, that means you're guilty of first-degree murder. So that's the yeah. setup, and everything goes downhill from there. So are pastors really supposed to be writing novels about sex bots? Yes, but destroyed sex bots. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, so here's the. This is the thing. One, um, I ha- I have a, tr- a small. I had this last week. I had a small tribe of psychic book reviewers. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> Don't you love those? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, people who can review the book without Not having reading without it. reading it. <laughs> yeah. You know, great experiments in telepathy. Uh-huh. So what they what they did is they they. Uh, rampaged all over Twitter, yelling at me for writing a sex novel, for writing right. erotica, for writing about sex bots. Right. Um, but it's not a, it's not a sex novel. There's no sex scenes. There are no sex scenes in the book. Um, it's that's not what it's about. It's about a book, uh, a confrontation where there's a world with sex bots in it right. that are being treated in a certain way, and it's a- actually the same way we're starting to treat them now. And right. someone in this novel uh, kicks against it, revolts against the charade, it, like people aren't doing now. But what, what would happen if the Christian worldview actually collided with the debauchery of our culture? Correct. Where there was an actual confrontation. Yeah. And, and so what you have here is uh, when, you, when Christians today read that setup and they flinch and they go, ooh, why, why is Asahel not a sympathetic character. Yeah. Right. So, mm. with, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. Now, I labor over the over the course of the book to make it very clear that he is a sympathetic character, mm-hmm. but, but not to Colorado. But not to Colorado, and not to the not to many Christian readers. Mainline to, today. evangelicals. Ooh. Right. Right. Yeah. So his uh, own his own parents kick yeah. him out. His parents kick him out of the uh, out of the house because he's. Not willing to admit that he was uh, wrong. And he's not wearing this. masks. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not playing the game. Right. So, so this young man starts stops playing the game, um, and it's a Phineas moment. So you say, okay, if there were a Phineas moment where the Phineas famously 
um, spears a couple who are copulating right, right. Uh, in high defiance of right. Moses and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Psalms, it says that it was imputed to Phineas' as righteousness. righteousness forever. Yeah. Um, and so God considers Phineas a sympathetic character. But if you told that story today right. without telling people that it was in the Bible, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. you know, right. Uh, you don't have the Bible trump. Two card. people loving each other. What are you doing? Killing? Yeah, love is love, right. man. Right. right. Um, I couldn't help but thinking that this is a little bit autobiographical. Uh, autobiographical. Uh, uh, autobiographical. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What word are you using? Yeah, yeah. Autobiographical. That's right. That's right. Autobiographical. All right. Uh, All right, y'all. Down there. Don't answer that question. We don't and, even know in the sense said. that, like, you know, you're pushing against culture. There's been times where, you know, even. Uh, Christians have asked you to apologize for how uh, you serrated you've been. You know right. some of those and, and the, the time, flow and the time that you crushed somebody's sex doll. At, at a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I deny it. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. Starting, rumor, starting rumors on cross politics. Uh, I, I, the, the, I will say that there are conversations in here that have echoes mm-hmm. of conversations I've been in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's, that's so. Is, is there also a play? So Phineas Spears this copulating couple it's righteous yeah. it's just god blesses right. it um asahel gets speared right in the bible right is there is there some play no okay that was just happened no. that way that was no. really good though <laughs> so pastor was like, i'm just no. trying to do like deep typology on your book here and no that's, <laughs> a, that's a new one on me <laughs> it's a little jim jordan action there <laughs> like <laughs> so i opened this book and i was reading it with my wife and boy, we were just snot laughing. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, there's some stuff in here is hilarious. And then right after snot laughing, there's like a gut punch. Mm-hmm. It happens almost every time. It's like, oh, I think he just hit me in the mouth. But one of the things that I was thinking about, as good as that is, the characters are well-defined. This needs to be a film. Somebody needs to pay yeah, for this to be down. turned into mm-hmm. a movie. It yep. needs some money. We need to make this a film. Absolutely. But couldn't you have... Um, I don't know. Couldn't you have just wrote another theological book about the sexual revolution that we're in now? Right. Why do we need a, a fiction novel about this, especially one that seems to run on the lines that people think is runs on the lines right, right. now? Well, the, um, I will say this about evangelical conservative evangelical Christians: I've read a boatload of their books where they've been critiquing what's happening all along. And in, in other words, I learned a lot of the things that I try to reproduce here in this book. Um, I've, I've learned from uh, theologians and writers and pastors who've dissected a lot of these things, uh, but it, it, it appears to me that we are able to describe the deterioration of a culture, which is not the same thing as stopping the deterioration mm. of the culture. Mm. And our culture is caught up in story. Now, the part of the problem is we've got the doctrinal, this is all part of the setup, we've got the doctrinal, conservative, uh, solid inerrantist yeah. types who are describing what's going on. Then among evangelicals, we have uh, people who sort of embraced the power of narrative, right? Our God is a storytelling God and Jesus told parables, all of which is very, very true. Right. The problem is that 95% of the people who embrace the narratival approach to theology are in the process of going liberal. Mm, they, right. they they're 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 telling the stories in such a way as to blur the edges and to turn the whole thing into a watercolor that's left out in the rain, right. and very few people are using the power of story to double down on mm. the 
the potency of orthodoxy. Actually collide with the world. To actually collide with the world. And th- this lines up it, it, towards the end of the, the novel. Um, there's, a, there's a chapter called Gonzo Law. Right. Uh, where you're, um, you're, you're basically it's a, a reductio ad absurdum right. type things where they're, and they're in the court. They're, it's where the case is being tried and so on. And um, is it Stephanie, I think, is the, yeah. the gal that um, uh, uh, asks a number of questions about which version of truth she's supposed to be telling. Mm. Yeah. Um, it lines up with this. Yes. What are those two versions? Um, they are the, um, Stephanie is, uh, I, I'll say something about her. She started out as the side character. Asa Hell was the main character. Right. As I wrote the book, she sort of took over the book. She did. <laughs> she did. She, she um, absolutely did. She's the protagonist. So uh, the last revision I realized, oh, Stephanie's the protagonist yeah. and shifted it. And Asa Hell's now, although he's the one who kicked everything off. Right. She, it's really about Stephanie. It's really about Stephanie. Um, and she starts out not a Christian, sort of a libertarian, yeah. and hates the lies, but doesn't have any foundation for um, what she hates. And on the stand, uh, when she's being cross-examined about um, uh, about her testimony, she asks, well, what kind of truth do you want? Uh, I've sworn to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Right. What, what do you mean by truth? Mm. Um, and there's the correspondence view of truth, which says that if I say the glass is on the table— mm-hmm. That proposition, if it corresponds to a state of affairs out in the world, right. corresponding that that correspondence makes it true. Mm-hmm. If there, if the glass is not on the table, then it's false. Right. Then there's the coherence view of truth, which is it, uh, you've got a narrative where this truth fits into the narrative, and you're consistent, right. which enables people to say, "Well, that's true for you, but not true for me." Right. right. And so right. What, what happens? It seems like is so. That's exactly right. And then you have this. Christians easily get sucked though into the idea that then story right. is merely a coherence view of truth. truth. Right. Ra- right. Rather than, in fact, if you understand the Bible as a story, you understand history as a story, you understand the gospel of the st- as a story, you find you actually ought to understand that um, that story, in a deep sense, is actually um, not coherence, um, but correspondence. But correspondence truth. Because, because if Christ is not raised from the dead. Then we're a great story, but if he's not really raised in the world right. mm-hmm. from the dead, then we're still in our sins right. and, and forget about it. And, mm-hmm. and and even there, it's like there's and and recognizing that even when you move into a, a, the genre of fiction, or you've or you're or you're making it, you're transferring that. What does the death and resurrection of Jesus have to do with me? Mm-hmm. Um, the correspondence keeps going, right? It, so it corresponds to the moment in history. But precisely because it's true, it now actually can correspond to me. Yeah. It can right. make my heart clean. Yeah. Right. It can make me right with God because it's true. Right. And, and sort of there's an analogous sense in which even though, you know, the events in this story, you have some comment at the beginning, didn't actually happen and people should stop acting that way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you know, it's a fiction book. Um, it's actually corresponding to the reality on the ground that we're dealing with and the reality in God's word. Right. One of the things I've I've noticed from comedians watching any stand up, it seems like that we have we know all the truth, we know all the facts, and comedians can tell us the same thing mm-hmm. in in a different way, so that that correspondence becomes, oh my goodness, that's hilarious! I get it. Right. Um, why have Christians lost that ability to have that type of vision with such solid biblical theology? Part of the reason is that laughter is. Um, this is something George Orwell point uh, George Orwell points out. Um, um, 
what's his face um, rules for Saul Olinsky yeah. points yeah. points out that, Jim Gaffigan ooh, uh, laughter is the most is uh, a very very potent mm-hmm. weapon, and the reason Christians shy away from it is they. They say that I don't think it's I don't I'm not sure how Christ-like that is or how how mm-hmm. pious that is. But the real reason for shying away from it is that they don't like how powerful it is. They don't want to swing that kind of punch because mm-hmm. if they swing that kind of punch, the enemy might punch back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I might I might be in a brawl. And, and 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 to be fair, of course, sometimes with powerful weapons, they you you they can slip and yeah. they can go sideways and you can cause damage. So it's not only I might be in a brawl, but I also might have to take something back or apologize right. because I might goof it up. Right. And, but exactly. in this kind of the problem with the broader evangelical church is that just most Christians just don't speak up for these very reasons. Right. Or they're, they're or scared they sp- or fearful or, or they speak up in a way that relegates them to the shrill corner. So my, mm. my entire life, there've been, there've been a hearty band or a faithful band of conservative Christians who've been speaking up for decades, but their perennial temptation is shrillness. They're, they're, they write letters to the editor with a fisted crayon. You know, mm. you know, right. I, I are so mad, and <laughs> and and then right. and then this the, this spittle flecked letter uh-huh. about the secular humanists right. there, um, gets gets sent, yeah. and then then the, at the newspaper or whatever it is, they get the letter and they say, oh, it's from Bozo again, yeah. and right. But one of the things that the, um, if if you're a satirist, and if you if you know how to, it, it, the pin doesn't have to be very big or very sharp to puncture a balloon, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And if if you um, uh, satirize the folly in the way that Amos does, in the way that uh, uh, Jesus does, yeah. uh, <laughs> Matthew twenty three, yeah. he just we we sometimes don't laugh at Jesus' jokes <laughs> because we've put. Layers of holy speak varnish all Man. over the top of it, right. yeah. and we don't we don't see um, how funny they actually are, right. Right. how mm. how devastating they are, and so uh, it's a it's a really potent weapon, and and so we've had Christians describing these follies, but not engaging with them in a way that works and is biblical. So are we? At, so then, that being said, if that's and I, I believe that's where we're at. Me and my wife were talking last night. It's like, oh, my goodness, we're in the place where God has to make one of his prophets marry a hoe for us to be able to get where we're actually at right now. Right. right. <laughs> like, that's where that's, that's. And that's in the Bible. And yeah. that's, in, that's Hosea, <laughs> right? Hosea. Well, yeah. and, and he, Hosea. <laughs> Uh-oh. Did you miss that? Are you going to bleep that out? <laughs> Spe- speaking of which, there are some bad words in this book. Yeah. I think three. Okay. Really? What are they? So, um, <laughs> are pastors supposed to use bad words? So it depends on what you know. Obviously, nobody's supposed to use bad words badly. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm. Um, so I I had a um, uh, let me set this up with something that happened a few decades ago. I wrote, I wrote a short story once where the the lead character was. Um, uh, under conviction of sin, he was about to be converted. And he falls down. He's walking, hiking in the woods, and he falls down and he swears. And in, when he falls down and swears, he s- says, "Jesus Christ." Mm-hmm. And then later, at his conversion point, he says, "Lord Jesus Christ," and that's the conversion point. Yeah. Before he's just exasperated and cussing. Yeah. I had a uh, an interaction with someone, a, a reader, who objected to me taking the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. 
you know, in a story. In a wrote. story. Yeah. Well, first, um, there's a there's obviously a way that an author can sin along with the reader, like right. when a when a, a pornographic writer is trying to excite lust and the reader gets excited. They're 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 working together in tandem in order to sin in that way. Right. Okay. So the writer is lascivious and the reader is lascivious. But if I write a story in which a character steals something, I'm not a thief. You know, right. Right. So I right. can describe a I can describe a sin that does not entail me in the right. sin. Right. Okay. So um, the but the person objected. You you wrote Jesus Christ and the man was swearing and that makes you complicit in the sin. And I uh, so I I appealed to the Westminster Larger Catechism on on the um, on the third commandment, which is taking the Lord's name in vain, and. If you read through the Westminster Larger Catechism, there is no, you know, any kind of abuse of God's name. It, it pins it to a card. Right, right, right. And then I pointed out that Jesus tells the parable of the, the publican and the rich man who go down to the temple to pray. And Jesus says the rich man, the, the Pharisee, uh, prays thus to himself, saying, I thank thee, God, that I'm not like other men. Mm-hmm. So he invokes the name of God. Right talking to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. He's not actually talking to God. Mm. He's, He's so, taking it in vain. According to the, yeah. the Westminster Larger Catechism, right. he was violating the third commandment, just like yeah. the guy in my story did. Yeah. And this was in a story that Jesus wrote. Mm-hmm. Jesus, yeah. Jesus wrote a story in which a character uh, says, yeah. something, says something bad. Use God's name you, in vain. But nobody goes away from that story Saying, "Oh, I wish I were more like that Pharisee." He, mm-hmm. he tells, he crafts the story in such a way as to discourage or uh, affront right. that kind of abuse. So, when you have um, those occasions, so for example, there's there's a scene, probably the most um, uh, the pointed, one, the, the one that's going to be the most famous, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps. Well, if, if my psychic reviewers ever. <laughs> <laughs> Read it. Never get that far. Get that far. The good stuff yet. Huh? <laughs> they ever get that far? Well, uh, Stephanie, who's not yet a Christian, explodes at a guy and calls him a name, and and she's un- sort of re- worked over by the fact that she did that, and right, and but the but the name she calls him uh, ties in with the theme of the whole book. There's layers on the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But nobody nobody goes away saying, "Oh, I've got to be able to work." I need to be able to work that word into my conversation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it because the whole point is to um, challenge that kind of talk, mm-hmm. that kind of um, that that kind of approach. So, somebody the, the comeback from some people would be like, "Okay, I understand all the point, but like, is it really necessary? Did you really have to put that in there? C- couldn't you have just you know said you know she got angry, and she swore, she swore at him, she cursed <laughs> at him? D- did you have to yes. use that?" A particular <laughs> yes. majority, and here's, and here's and here's why. When we, um, it was just a year or two ago when there was the women's march, the pink pussy hats yep. that march yep. on Washington. Right. So tens of thousands, hundreds, of, you know, yeah. out there in this march, and that's how I set this up. In and the a bunch book. of them professing Christians, and a bunch of them professing Christians, and they're and what they're saying is that we lay claim to this word. Right. We can. Um, right. We are gonna, and that's the word, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we we're uh, we've got it. It's copyrighted. 
the left right. or the people who are busy throwing away the faith have copyrighted this word. You can't use it. You don't have permission to use it because we are the liberated ones, right. and you are assigned to be Mrs. Mm. Grundy. You are assigned to be Mrs. Grundy. Mm. Right. Okay. Now, what's happened? And this is um, the people. If I I can share it with you, I'm sure that. <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure nobody will <laughs> notice, but the uh, the people on Twitter who were going nuts over the the handful of occasions in this book where there's um, a word that they disapprove of, they fell right into my trap because they're Mrs. Grundy now, right? Right. 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 Mm. So right. not only are they, are they Mrs. Grundy, but they're Mrs. Grundy defending an arbitrary and capricious secular standard of morality. Mm. At, at least the old Mrs. Grundy was defending a biblical morality. <laughs> True Pharisees now. And, 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 and a lot of those same people, as you point out, would actually not have come down as hard on um, the pink hat marches. Oh, no, they, they wouldn't I, at all. Many of, many of them would be quiet or would say, actually, they've got a point or actually have joined in on it, saying, yeah. you know, well, women have been oppressed. Right. Well, and here's here's the thing, uh, you know, I'm running for Latah County Commissioner here, really? and um, <laughs> now that's a problem. I've been, that's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. But I've had um, penises drawn on my yard signs. I've had been called all the names in the world, kind of thing, on Facebook. And I wrote a letter to the editor back in May, saying, you know, I, I said I opened up the letter to the editor saying, when I signed up to run for county commissioner, me and my wife knew that the liberals were going to be silly, and I had a um, a conservative. Uh, come and uh, email me back and forth for months about this. I said, let's grab lunch. So we finally grab, grab lunch. And, and the thing that kept, uh, that he couldn't let go was the fact that I started off this letter. The editor is calling these liberals silly. Mm -hmm. And then I just went through, I was wow. like, well, this is what's happened. This is people, they've drawn penises on my signs. They've doxed our businesses. You know, all these, all these things. It's like, kind of silly. Was that, it was silly. How was dare like, you say that? Exactly. But and Gabe, Gabe, that's not a good witness. Ex well, exactly. And that's, but, but the conservatives are being played in all this. And right. liberals can do, you know, call all sorts of names. And yet conservatives want to placate them. Right. So what happens is, this is, I've said for years, that all of our cultural wars are battles over the dictionary. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Who can use what words and who gets to yep. define what the words mean? Who defines what the word means in your context? Now, I wrote a whole book to situate the, those uses of those words. Mm -hmm. th those uses are situated and planned and placed just so. And I wrote a whole book. Doing uh, exercising my authority as an author mm -hmm. to define those words how I'm using them. Yeah, they don't want that, yeah. and but they're not being consistent because uh, they they will write in and say I can't believe that you use that word the word and then yeah. they'll refer to the word um, <laughs> in order you can't make your point using that word. Right, but, but I, can, I can make my point right. using, using the same word right. attacking right. you. So if right. if we're attacking Wilson. I can use that word because I've got immunity. You're, you're conservative. You stand for the Bible. You believe that God's morality is unchanging. You don't have immunity to use any of that stuff. In fact, you can't use any words, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the point is, uh, I, I think that Christians ought to be done apologizing uh, to them for yeah. anything. Yeah. And, and, of course, we're accountable to God for how we— how we use our language and so yeah. forth. So our language must be scriptural. Right. It must be sub in submission to the word, but in no way should it be in submission to them. So what, what, what is the difference? I'm sorry. Go, no, um, go ahead. What I just wanted to say was they don't even know 
if they read the book, that they're actually a character in the book. Oh, yeah. They are Benson. <laughs> you know, that, and that was one of the yeah. things that, I mean, that yeah. hurt my heart to read yeah. because mm-hmm. I'm like, I know these people, not this person. I know yeah. these people. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the dad who has a great heart, who's a really a solid Christian, who loves the world, wants to save the world. And yet at the same time, the way he's going about it is going to be, he's going to be a prisoner of the world before it's all said and done. Right. Exactly. You know. So imagine you're talking to, there's a bunch of people, you know, Christians out there who say, I want to be a novelist. I want to write right. stories. Um, there's a, there's a heavy temptation. We don't want to be cheap, fake, um, the Christian, you know, romance novel genre, whatever. Mm-hmm. The temptation is to go over and be like, I'm, I'm going to fill my novel with lurid stuff, right. F bombs everywhere. Um, cause that's going to be gritty and realistic, right. you know, authentic, you know, authentic or yeah. whatever. Um, what do you say to those people? What's the difference between being lurid and, you know, sort of this, um, kind of hipster gritty, yeah. you know, me too ism and, but being pure, right. But full orbed biblical. Yeah. There's a difference. I would, I would start by saying there's a difference between morality and moralism. Morality is, um, grows out of a relationship with God. God is a particular way. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And a, a certain lifestyle flourishes in that, grows out of that. Yeah. That would be true morality. Moralism is where the, the wine's all gone and the wineskin's dried out and cracked. You know, you've just, all you've got is the standard. Don't, this is a bad word. Mm-hmm. Or this, and why is that a bad word? Well, nobody can tell you. Right. No, nobody knows. We just have the arbitrary standard. Now, if, if I said, um, if I'm talking to an aspiring writer who's a Christian, uh, and I've talked to many people in this um, position, they want to write, and they say, well, I've got to have F-bonds, and I've got to have a, a heroin uh, uh, problem, and I've yeah. got to have all this, because that's grit and real and authentic. And, authentic. And, stuff, yeah. and I'd say, well, um, did Dostoevsky um, write about real things? Right. Mm-hmm. Did, did, he, did he write about sin and depravity and forgiveness and all? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was it, But does he sprinkle F-bombs in his work just for realism? No. That's, that's a cheap trick. That's, mm-hmm. that, that is like using dry ice and lasers at a rock concert because the band's no good. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah, you, right. Everything has to be the, – the story has to carry it. Yeah. Now, the, on the other side, you've got the sweetie nice – a literary equivalent of the Thomas Kincaid painting. Right. And that's a problem too. But one of the things I would say to an aspiring writer, let's say on the gritty side, I say, okay, I'd like you, here's a sketch you've got. I want you all to describe for me a man um, uh, with a drinking problem who's his wife's about to leave him. And he, he, it's 1958 and he goes and gets saved at a Billy Graham crusade. Mm. And he goes home and apologizes to his wife. Yeah. No, no. And they're, they're reconciled and have a happy marriage after that. And they say, but I, I want to wrestle with the real issue. I, wait, wait, that re- that's real. Mm-hmm. Right. Th- that's happened thousands of times. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that happens in the world thousands right. of times. Yeah. What's, right. what's not real about it? Mm. Well, the gritty people want to say that evil has a, more real, a, pri- a greater priority of, of reality right. Right. over goodness, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and so they emphasize that in the right. And then the sweetie yeah. nice types where, where they have a world in which there is no, it's a sentimental world in which any presence of evil is resented. That shares the same assumption with mm. the gritty people right. because they- Just the other way around. It's, yeah. Well, it's the other way around, where, but they seed evil is more powerful. 
Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, right. yeah, evil is more real. Yeah. If evil comes in here, it's going to destroy It'll the destroy place. Everything. Uh-huh. Right? So, um, so we have a pretty little garden and a cottage and a yeah. nice homely, homey glow out of the cottage. And we, so we can't have evil in the garden. There's no serpent in the garden. Because the serpent would totally own this place, right? Right. Yep. It's right. more, or it's more powerful, right? And so, the, so, so both are denying the power of the gospel. Correct. Mm. Uh, the power of the gospel if, to redeem. Right. If you're a Christian, then fundamentally you believe in the power of the gospel to save and to redeem. Right. And that's so good's got to win. And to fight dragons without resenting them. Yeah. So, Ooh. so um, you know, uh, I was joking with you a little bit when I you gave me an early copy of this, mm-hmm. and uh, and. Uh, I started reading it a number of months ago, and then one of my kids said, "Hey, Dad, what's that about?" Uh, well, see, Pastor Wilson wrote this book. He's up to it again. Um, is this is this a book for kids? Well, it's not a kid. It's not a book for five year olds. Yeah, right. But um, but six year olds. I'll say. Well, let's let's work in from either end, alternating. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is it a book for sixteen year olds? Absolutely. Okay. Do you think Do you think that they've had uh, encountered any advertisements for anything perverted yep. online? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Do you yep. think they've? So the issue is, um, what you don't want to answer questions artificially. You don't want to administer poisons to your children to then demonstrate your skill with antidotes. Right. Okay. But right. but when the poison when they're coming in contact with the poison already, mm-hmm. right. and they they can't walk across town, they can read bumper stickers, they can look at the billboard, they can right. they they see the commercial on um, yeah. uh, on television. That you know yeah, yeah. these sorts of things pop up, and parents ought to be engaged with their children in ongoing conversation when you rise up, when you walk along the yeah. road, when you lie That's down, right. Right. and so. What is it in Deuteronomy 6? What is it you're supposed to be talking about with your kids? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, the law of God. Right. Right? And what does the law of God say? The law of God says not to have sex with barnyard animals. That's right. Right. Yeah. right? The, and you got to teach that to your kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. So don't have, right. don't have sex with your aunt. Right. Daddy, why would someone want to do that? Daddy, right. what, yeah. what, is, what, what is sex? So what, you know, yeah. what, is, yeah. right. what are you talking about? What's yeah. a concubine? What's a concubine? Right. Why, you know, so there's absolutely no way. That you can have a uh, children who are growing up as Bible readers. Right. That's right. W- right. Quite with, apart from the world, quite apart with the catechism that's, of the world. That's exactly if you're right. going to read yep. the Bible, right? Yeah. So the, the, there, there are things in this Bible that are way more gnarly than anything that's in here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. um, and you think, well, and, and years ago there was a, a the verb to boulderize, b o w l, uh, is somebody cleaned up. Um, the works of Shakespeare. They, okay. uh, a guy yeah. named Boulder, uh, went through and tidied up and cleaned up some of the, a bunch of the references in Shakespeare. He vid angeled it. He vid <laughs> and, and truth be told, there are sections in Shakespeare that that require that, <laughs> that really be boulderized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That needed to be boulderized. Um, and I was at a Logos school production many years ago of um, Much Ado About Nothing, yeah. and one of the uh, sweet. Christian girls up there said something, and I thought, "What?" <laughs> sort of an ar- it was, it was an archaic, it was an archaic thing. They didn't know what they were saying. It, yeah, it all sounded kind of King, King Jamesy, and, uh, and I said, why, "Why isn't she being sent to the office?" Uh, oh man! Well, because people it, didn't, no, didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But so Boulder cleaned everything up. Well, Noah Webster did. The same thing with the Bible. Um, so, I've, in fact, I've got a copy of it in my shelves, uh, the Webster Bible, okay. where he was making, trying to make the Bible suitable for family reading. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, 
That's a problem. Uh, there's yeah, a problem that's there. That's a problem, right? Yeah. So, uh, if you, so, what we're talking about is actual engagement with the world, with kids who are who you have their loyalty. They're on your side, and they need to be instructed. Yeah, they need need to be taught. And so, it's the the law of God. Going back to my earlier distinction, the law of God is moral, obviously. But it's not moralistic. It's not fussy. Yeah. It's not fastidious. There are all sorts of things the Bible talks about without blushing yeah. the, to telling us not to do right. because the sinful heart of man would want to do them. Yeah. Pastor, I know you got to run. I just, there's two questions I want to end with. I got two. You get two. Well, <laughs> I got okay. the last two. I'm okay. Call it black privilege. Oh, you're okay. Oh, well, in that yeah. case, all right. So, one of two of the things, and maybe you can tie these together and, and make this work in some way, but you said earlier that Asa Hill stopped playing along, stopped playing the game, right. and he just started acting. Right. Um, what does it look like now in our current political environment to, for Christians to do that? Because I'm wondering now if we started doing that, we might get some of the exact same pushback that he got. I mean, just look at MacArthur; he's just going to church. Yeah. But so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, what would what would that look like there? And then, how if you can tie that into kind of something that you was talking about a grace agenda with the politics of porn right now? Sure. Because I think your book is hitting right in that sweet spot with right. that. So, um, uh, in the trailer for this book, um, which some of your viewers may have seen, and I should say something about that. Just looking at the trailer. The whole thing looks pretty dark. It should say that the book is it's that dark, but it's a dark comedy. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, it's a it's a dark comedy. And, and there's actually a lot of light. Right. Yeah. That's read the book. I mean, it starts in the dark and then it goes. I mean, it's it's glorious. Read so, the book. So, um, but in the trailer, it says that Asahel was a spark in a room full of yeah. fume. In a, a yeah. room full of fumes. Mm -hmm. So the fumes are have built up to a certain level and when we and we have to recognize that um, there's a I love a there's a particular um, quote from Thomas Sowell that I love and it says there's no there's no end to the panic um, that one honest man can cause among a multitude of hypocrites mm -hmm. so if you have a multitude of hypocrites one honest man is going to cause mayhem right um, and that's what that's what I'm after in this system where uh, in this world system that we're up against, where I want Christians to see that porn is sex dolls are political. Porn is political. Sexual license is political. Mm. Um, uh, Chesterton said that free love is the first and most obvious bribe that can be offered to a slave. Mm. Okay, so mm -hmm. what, uh, there's two great historic dystopias. One is 1984 by George Orwell. Uh -huh. The other is Brave New World by uh, Aldous Huxley. Huxley. And with, um, with Orwell, it, the dystopia, this, the dystopic future is a boot stamping on a human face mm -hmm. forever. In Brave New World, it's Soma is the free drug that everybody gets. Sexual license is, you know, there's all sorts of licentiousness. Mm -hmm. So basically in Brave New World, everybody's bribed. Yep. Mm. Right. So everybody's bribed and, and controlled that way. Um, and in 1984, everyone's terrorized. Mm -hmm. What we're headed for is a mashup of those two, right. those two things, where right. people are being bribed. It's a carrot and stick. Um, and, frequently, sort of and frequently it's, it's veering in both. I mean, it's right. a capricious, you know, sort of you know, manic. They oscillate, be, oscillate yeah. between the two. And so what I want to, uh, people to see is that pornography is the statist's catechism mm. the, um, mm -hmm. pornography is political um, 
the, your entertainment standards are political. Um, the kind of things that they want people to be able to do uh, and experiment with or be open about, sex dolls included, are all of that is political. So, to, to well, what, is, so what do they want? What do they want? So when they're like, control. Hey, they want control. They want how power. How do they gain that? They so because you, so you're watching porn. No one's like, how can my watching porn is going to make me uh, open to political control? Yeah. That's exactly what it does. But, but we also don't have a problem with sex being political. Christians. Oh, no, it's absolutely poli- it's political you, both ways. It's unavoidable. Yeah, yeah, po- so, positively yeah. or negatively. Yeah. Mar- um, marriage sexuality within the bounds of God's covenant, yeah. with you know the way God defines it, that's one of the most political things you can do. Right. But mm. it's the politics of a free man. Mm. Okay. Amen. Um, Is the difference, would, would, it, would it fundamentally come down to whether you think of uh, your thinking short-term or long-term? Yes, Yes, that, there's that, and and what, and if you're thinking mm. short term, here's a sop, here's a drug. Short term, so immediate gratification, yep. immediate gratification. If right. you and if you can be bought like that, right, then you can be bought easily because right. all yeah. they need to do is give you a, a lollipop, yeah, basically an, an orgasm. You're, you're it's a, quick. You're a rat in a cage, and and, and, and then oof. you're and then you'll do whatever they want you to do because all you need is immediate gratification. But if you're a Christian and you believe that the purpose of sex is grandchildren generational right. walking no. with Jesus. Right. Then you're not thinking immediate gratification. You're thinking long-term faithfulness, long-term blessing. Yeah. Man a man who is sitting at his desk think meditating thinking about whether to go to that porn site again. He ought to think of himself as a rat in a cage about to press the lever for the treat. Mm. That, that's that's what yep. he's doing. Yep. Right. And and they will do that. They will bribe you, they will right. cudgel you, they will attack you, they will do everything they can because they want to control you. Mm-hmm. And if once you once you're in that system, once you're entailed in it, mm-hmm. you're guilty. Mm-hmm. And when you're guilty, you are easily controlled, mm-hmm. right? Um, how many how many people would um, all right, um, Christian leaders, all right, pastors, why don't you come stand to get testify against the state? And while you're testifying, we're going to have the National Security uh, Agency go through your browser history. Yeah. Okay. Your internet and, history. And, that's right. And, yeah. and and so everybody's left eye starts to twitch because they've got they've got you coming and going. Right. Uh, so the way out is repentance. So massive repentance across the board, where Christ washes us clean. Meaning that the past doesn't matter, but if the, the if the past doesn't matter under Christ, then that means it what you're doing sexually matters very much into the future, right? Mm. right? In right. other words, you're liberated to holiness, That's right? Because the, the the guilt along with that guilt comes the accusations, the condemnation of the devil. Right. Satan is the accuser, and so he brings the accusations and says, "You're broken. You're damaged goods." You're not clean. You're filthy. You're foul. You're perverted. Right. All these things, which then, and then it's sort of like, well, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I right. am. And right. if that's what I am, then I can never get out of this. Now, so I think can about never that. change. Right. And, and look what's dominating our political discourse now. Mm. It's accusation. Right. Um, well, that's the that's diabolical politics. Yeah. Right? It's diabolical. Yeah. Um, Satan's the accuser. Satan is the yeah. accuser. That's how the, that's how he runs the world. And so we need, we need the word of no condemnation. We don't need right wing accusation in return. That's right. Okay. okay. Right. We need we need a, a gospel answer, which is no condemnation. So, so in, but in a, I mean, all like the evangelical Benson, that whole world, um, haven't they been preaching the gospel? Yeah, sort of. Why why, why are we so? I mean, clearly we're a, a guilty nation, right? And we're a guilty church. Like right. We are a guilty yep. church. Right. 
So one of the things that I wrestle with, here's a speaking of... um, Speaking um, of donuts... (laughs) <laughs> I'm, still, wait, no, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. No, you're not. You're plainly not. <laughs> I'm enjoying both of these at the same time. So multitasking. Uh, so uh, in the in the Old Testament, where a lot is speaking of uh, tawdry parts of the Bible, yeah. Lot has sex with both of his daughters right. a- after the destruction right. of after the destruction. The one of righteous guy. Yeah. So Peter yeah. says, "Righteous Lot." Yeah. Righteous Lot was afflicted in his soul by what they were doing in Sodom. Yep. They escaped from Sodom because of Abraham's yep. intercession on their behalf. Lot's wife is turned into a pillar of salt. Mm-hmm. They make it out to a cave, and his daughters get him drunk so that they can have sex with him so that they can propagate the line, mm-hmm. right? right? And so uh, that's Lot. Okay, Lot is there, – there are a number of things about him that you would say, well, I don't think that was his shining moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Going back to even when the angels are, you know. Right. But I expect to, but I expect to see him in heaven. Yeah. yeah. Right, mm-hmm. because yeah. of what the New Testament says about right. him. He, He's he really righteous. Was, he was righteous, Lot. He really was grieved by what right. Sodom was doing. Right. But he was also thoroughly compromised by it. Right. When Abraham gives him the choice – do you want to go here or there? He first chooses to live in that region because of how lush and green it was, and then when we meet him later, he's living in the he's, in he's living it. in the city, right. and his wife was apparently entranced by the malls and all of that stuff. And um, and so, uh, what he he was a righteous character who was thoroughly compromised, mm. right? Uh, tangled up, yeah. and that's what Benson is. Uh, yeah. Asahel's father is. Yeah, he's a real Christian, but he's compromised in so many ways. Things that he doesn't understand. Right. Um, he doesn't understand the play that has been run on him. You're saying he's Al Mohler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say that? <laughs> it's the donut. It's the donut. The donut baby. So it's so you're saying like it's um, the American church, the modern evangelical church. Back to the frog analogy. I mean, we've been in the boiling water for so long, right? And we we need to be woken up. Right, we need the we need the gospel to somehow. It, it's not, not you know many people really are saved, um, but they're very very compromised. We need the right kind of woke, and mm-hmm. yeah, and, yeah. and and we and we need um, the gospel to somehow. Uh, again, Benson even has this moment in the story where we're finally um, he, he's he doesn't think clearly. He's not thinking clearly the whole time. He's sort of in a glazed. Don't over. don't do it. I haven't read it yet. Don't and, you do that to yeah. me. But, but but you know. But it's going to come for him. I'll just put it like okay. that. All right. All right. Um, I figure he I figure, is going to wake up. I figure it's right. the Lord of the Rings moment, um, right? <laughs> but he, but but it has to. It's sort of like the truth has to finally get through. Right. And and then you realize, as Francis Schaeffer used to say, not just truth. But true truth, yeah, true, yeah. true yeah. truth. So it's um, there. Evangelicals are adept at at using true cliches, right? Right. They they roll yeah. off the tongue and personal relationship and mm. and have you had your quiet time and you're right. walking. And with Jesus the, died for your sins. How's the Lord treating you today? Yeah. And 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 it just smooth is smooth. Yeah. But oh, what you mean? Jesus was crucified on a tree like that tree there, right. mm. and it was for my sins, meaning the things I did last week that yeah. humiliate me. And right. so it's actually true truth. And it comes down to that correspondence view yeah. of truth. Oh, there's a, there's a strong link right. between the statement that Jesus died and him actually having done so. Mm. What do you want the takeaway to be? If, if you, you know, right. it, it sells tons of copies, oh, people it read it. <laughs> and, you know, what, what do you hope? 
is the takeaway? I hope to encourage uh, this. Uh, this is um, has been my audience for decades since the eighties, and this is um, the same audience uh, only in high relief. I want to write in such a way that Christians who feel beleaguered and uh, mm. baffled and upset at what they see going on around them, I want them to realize it's not me. Right. You know, it's uh, I'm, I'm not, not I'm not crazy. I'm, I'm not crazy. Yeah. You're Thomas. You right? know the world the world is crazy. The world is crazy. Yeah. I'm not crazy. Yeah. So I I I would like this book and other things the other things we do in different ways to be a lifeline yeah. to people who thought who were tempted to fall into Elijah's despondency. Yeah. I'm the only one left and right. they're trying to kill me. Right. And then God says, "No, there's seven thousand yeah. that haven't bowed the knee to Baal." Mm-hmm. I would like. I'm writing. I'm writing for each of the seven thousand, mm-hmm. each of whom don't know about the six thousand nine hundred ninety nine. You're with others. them. Mm. I uh, I finished this at two a.m. last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife asked me this morning. Wait, how long have you had this book? You had an early copy. Yeah, you just but, finished but, it. But he, it was an early copy, and he told me he changed some stuff. So I wanted, oh, okay. to, I wanted to read the new one. But he. Uh, but I, I. So I stayed up late, and my wife asked me this morning. All right, give me the the one sentence, ten second. Um, what's the book about? Right. And I told Knox this before you got here this morning, but um, I finished it and said this is a book about um, a bunch of different people living in a sexual cesspool. Right, getting saved. Right, that's that's what the story. That's what this book is about. It's uh-huh. it's about the hope of the gospel in a sexual cesspool. Right. I mean, every one of these characters has a past. Right. Mm-hmm. Every one of them mm-hmm. has sin. Yeah. Every one of them has been touched, and that's the world we live in. Yeah. Right. And it's Amen. and it's a book that's full of hope. Amen. Yeah. And and if someone says, "Why do you have to talk about sexual cesspools?" Well, it's because you're we're living we're in, in one. one. We're, we're in one. We're, we're right. in one. Right. Yep. And I think yeah. that comes back to the point of why why I don't think I, I think you're right that the true truth hasn't touched down. Right. And, and and it needs to touch down right where we are, which is you know your browser history. Right. Um. You know the girl you slept with in high school and you never told anybody about the you know the abortion you had mm. whatever right. it was the gospel has to touch down there not to leave you there not yeah. to stay there right but it's got to touch down there you got to know that the cross corresponds to that that sin yeah. was nailed to the cross Amen. what what was the frame of mind in all of judea when they were going out to see john the baptist that frame of mind is what america needs yeah so um we we need to be convicted of our sin and repent of our sin in mass right. And it's not going to be fixed. There will be political results of the fix, yeah. but the politics is not the fix. The glorious thing about that, too, I know you're trying to close this, but I'm, no, I no, just, I'm, the, I'm listening. The glorious thing, too, that's really obvious and wonderful in this is how, um, how easy repentance actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. We, all, all we need to do is repent. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is it's like Jesus is right there. All we need to do is repent. All our, you know, husbands, fathers, children just need to repent. And and there's some really beautiful moments of joy in mm-hmm. in in the book um, where people are are really um, enjoying and they've just repented. Right. And 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 now they're in the joy of the Lord. Right. Now the lights on. And and they and they can even still talk about the sin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And with freedom. It's not like they're pretending it never happened. Right. But now it's been completely upended because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's glorious. <laughs> Ride Sally Ride, available at canonpress.com.org. Which one is it? Oh, you-
I was forgetting. It's both. You get on Amazon. Actually, both. Is it both? Can't impress that. I knew I seen it. I'm on the back of the book. Can't mess it up. Yeah, ride, Sally, ride. Pastor Wilson, I, this is this is a great book. Hey, you, it's I not too it's early to start shopping for Christmas presents. No, you should get it and read it. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them until Sunday. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Pool. Get it. Hey, go get the book. Get it. Go get the book. Somebody needs to stop Doug from writing. No more writing for you, Doug. I don't know if your pen is causing us the trouble or if you're just seeing it so clearly. All right, if you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Oh, did I mention it's available at a Canon Press? Go get the book. Phenomenal book. Highly recommend it. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross-politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency. We study God's Word at music camp, and God commands us to sing as, uh, to let His Word dwell in us richly in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're to worship Him musically. We're to proclaim His Word musically. And so we want to train up our, our students, our children, to be able to sing skillfully with music, to understand what they're doing. The Bible says sing with understanding. But it's all couched in studying God's Word, growing up as Christian worshipers. The default in our culture today is to be a music consumer. We are conditioned by the age we live in and the technology we have to be people who listen to music and it's an important part of our life. But we have lost something that our forefathers knew, which was being active participants in music. It used to be if you wanted music, you had to make the music. And now we, we just press a button, but uh, these students uh, are learning through the course of their time at music camp not to be music consumers but to be active participants in making music. So not only to learn how to sing well, how to understand music as it's written on a page and how it comes together in a group environment, but to be able to take those experiences and have them be the seeds that are planted for their involvement their whole life in the musical life of the church. We want these students to be the next wave of worshipers in the church who know how to sing to God.